Thanks for joining me for season five of the We're Not Done Yet podcast. This is Susan Macias, and I'm so glad you're here as we talk about how we can serve the Lord, how we can serve our communities and each other. Because if we're not home yet, we're not done yet. Hi, friend. Welcome to episode 502. And for the next two episodes, I'm going to be talking about how to accomplish a dream when it has just taken so long for it to come into realization. And I think something that I've realized at this point in life is that it's very easy to become discouraged when we have something we really want to do. It's burning in our heart, and yet it has had to take the back seat for so long that we think it's our failure. It's our inability to get it done. And it might not be that at all. So many, 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 many years ago, I was sitting in the audience of one of my favorite teachers. We lived in Dayton, Ohio at the time. And once a month, first Friday of every month, a gentleman named Dwight Pryor would teach on the Hebrew roots of the Christian faith. And oh, it was the most rich time just to sit and get all of this Old Testament to New Testament connection. It was an incredible time. And we loved going. I have notebooks, just of scribbled notes of all the things he taught us. And one time we went and he was teaching on how to see the parable of the prodigal son through Middle Eastern eyes. That there is such a difference that we don't ever realize in our Western independent, we all do our own thing, thinking. And so his title that he said the parable should be called is not the prodigal son, but the good father and the two lost sons. And I sat through his entire narrative just thinking the whole time, oh my gosh, I can just see this story. It was like a movie rolling through my mind. And I had always wanted to write. I had dreams of being a writer, but I also had three small boys and finding the time was proving a little difficult. In fact, very difficult. But even so, after the, his teaching, I marched right up to Dwight and I said, that was amazing. I want to write the story. I want to write this like a novel. And he said, that would be great. You need to do that. That year was 1993. And in case you don't want to go to the trouble of doing the math, that was 30 years ago. 30. And in fact, I just turned 60 last week. So that was half of my lifetime ago. Holy cow. It was four children ago. It was 27 years of homeschooling ago. It was seven moves ago. It was my husband's retirement in his political campaigns and a startup that failed. It was a whole new career that's been very exciting, but very time consuming. For me, it was three self-published books ago. It was 12 years of blogging, five weddings, 10 grandchildren, three years of podcasting ago. I mean, a lot can happen in 30 years. And I have to say that most authors write many books in three decades. I would have thought that I would have written many more than I have. I also thought that this story would have already been written. It would have been published. It would have been a bestseller by now. But the years have just ticked by. You know, they have gone by and I have not been sitting on my hands. I have been very, very busy. But that that sense of that dream has been knocking 
on the door this whole time. It's like, you know, when you go to the doctor's office and you've sat and you've sat and you keep going up to the receptionist and you say, excuse me, I have an appointment. And the receptionist looks at you sort of irritatedly and says, "Um, the doctor will be with you shortly. And you think, I don't know that you know what shortly means. Yeah, that's how it felt. Like it just stretched into, into, I'm never going to make it happen. Do you have one of those dreams? Do you have one of those things that you want to do? You feel like maybe God put in your heart to do? You've always thought, I really would like to do that. I really want to start this thing. I really want to see what it would be like to go there or do that or serve in this way. But it's a dream that's never been realized. You know, what I find is that the delays I just blame myself for. And the waiting has always felt to me like failure failure on my part. I have finally, half of my lifetime later, finished the story. I have presented it to editors. I have agents. It has been roundly rejected. It has been rewritten. It's been represented to agents who have said, wow, now they really like it, but mm, there's nobody that would buy this. And I've had to face the the idea that my book doesn't fit squarely in a genre of the current Christian publishing format. What am I going to do? And I've decided to independently publish my book. You might say, well, what's the difference between independently publish and self-publish? Well, it, actually, both those words are used kind of interchangeably. But independently publish technically means that I'm hiring people to do the things that a um, – what do you call it? A publishing house would do normally. So I'm hiring an editor. I've hired a cover designer. I'm going to hire an interior layout person. I'm not going to do all those things myself. I'm going to get somebody else to do that. And so it's it's a big deal. And I've had to really, you know, learn 8 million different things in order to do this. But one of the things that has happened is that I've kind of had time to think, what do you do when the dream has taken so long? And I want to give you five ways to accomplish a dream when it takes way longer than you think it's going to. I'm going to give two of them today, and I'll do the other three in the next episode. So how do we bring that sleeping dream back to life? Um, One of the things that I think that is the most important I really had to do is to make peace with the waiting. I had to quit blaming myself for the waiting. I had to quit with all of the, I'm a failure and I see other people. Okay, that's comparing. But I would see other people that were managing to get these things done. We all have different situations. We all have different places that we are. And so maybe somebody could raise seven children and homeschool and do all those things and be able to write. But within our family and our individual things, that was not what was there. But what I had to come to realize is that God knew exactly when he placed the dream in my heart, what my circumstances were. It didn't surprise him. So not only did I have to trust the dream that he had started, I had to trust his timing because he will complete the thing that he began in me. But have you ever noticed that while God, we can say, is never late, he is absolutely never in a hurry? Never. And his timing is not our timing. 
Abraham was told that he was going to have a nation after him that numbered the stars. All these generations were coming. God made him that promise, and he sent him out of his home, out of his comfort zone, out of where he had support and the generations around him to to help him away from his own parents. And he left and he came to a homeland. He came to Israel in faith that this was going to happen. But he kept waiting. 16 years later, Isaac was finally born. 40 more years later, Isaac finally gets married. He waited 40 years to get married. And 20 years after that, because guess what? Rachel was also infertile. And it was 20 years before Esau and Jacob were born. There weren't 20 children running around the tent. There was two. And guess what? God only uses one of them. And the other person necessary for the plan, and I think this is so important, is Sarah. It wasn't just Abraham that was going to have generations behind him. Because guess what? Before Isaac was born, there was lots of kids born to Abraham. Lots. He had all these concubines. He had other things going on. And so it wasn't um, just Ishmael. There were other kids. And after Sarah was was had died, there were other, he got married again. He had another woman and six more kids after that. So it was Abraham and Sarah. Sarah was just as important to the plan as Abraham was. And God waited until Sarah had gone through menopause in order to miraculously begin the people that he had planned to bring through Abraham and Sarah. She had a lifetime of infertility that she had to go through. I just saw a quote, which I thought was so smart. I don't know who said this. So if you know, let me know. Um, It said that Sarah wanted to have a son, but God wanted to birth a nation. And so sometimes when we're going through these really long, hard, waiting heartbreak, God is doing something so much different, so much bigger than what we have planned. Moses had a divine assignment in Egypt. And so to prepare him to do the job in Egypt, God kicks him out of Egypt and takes him to the University of the Desert, where he wanders around. And then finally, he goes back to Egypt and struggles, not only with Pharaoh, but with his own people. And you know how old he is when he goes back? 80 years old. God had a lot of training to do in Moses' life in order to get him ready to lead his people. So... Sister, if you feel like God told me this and it's not happening, you're not the first, nor am I. We need to make peace with the waiting because God is doing something in the waiting. He is changing us. He's training us. He is showing himself faithful. He's teaching us things that need to happen first. He's implanted the dream and the dream is real and the, and the call is there and the thing to do that he has put in our hearts. It's real. But we need to make peace with the waiting. Okay, so say we're in the University of the Desert, like Moses, and we are needing to learn whatever it is, and we'd like to learn it as quickly as possible, please, so I can get back to doing the job I think I'm supposed to do. This is the second way to accomplish that dream. It's not nearly as esoteric as the first one. It doesn't sound as, you know, holy as the first one. Make peace with the waiting. And that does, it's true. We have to make peace with the waiting. But second, start the easiest way possible. I mean, when I was looking at starting to write a book, 
that I was dreaming of writing. I had no idea what to do. I didn't know how to start. I didn't know what, I didn't know how hard writing was. I didn't know that there was all this stuff to study. I had no idea. But I've discovered something through the years that to start anything new, I need to take the first easiest step available. And I learned this the hard way, as in most things in my life. 15 years ago, I knew I wanted to write more. I still had all my kids at home, but I wanted to write. I wanted to figure it out. And I had this great idea. I was going to start an entire website. And this was in earlier days. I mean, probably probably if I'd done this and done it well, like, you know, all those people that I saw do it well, um, it could have taken off because there wasn't near as much competition then. And um, it was going to be parenting for tomorrow today. And it was the whole idea about I was going to talk about parenting. And I was going to talk about how we have to do things now for the kids, what we want our kids to be someday. You know, that you're not just looking at how they feel about life, but what kind of adults do you want them to be? And so um, I was going to have a blog on there and I was going to have different, I had big dreams. So I started with the big dream and I hired a guy and he, he built me a beautiful website and I was so intimidated by that website and I didn't know what to do with it. And I, he showed me how to do this and that on it. And it was just like he was talking in Polish because I hadn't ever done anything like this on the internet. And so I was, you know, pretty much an email girl. So I was just, I was totally overwhelmed. And it sat there for a year and I did nothing with it. And finally, I started a blog on Blogger. And that was, this is where I learned I needed to start with my easiest step first. And so I, um, I just started on Blogger. I figured nobody was reading it. So who cared if I, I just didn't feel the intimidation of it. And I could put slap stuff up there and go back and edit it later as I saw things. When ideas struck me, I put it up. I had no schedule. I did it absolutely opposite to what you're supposed to do, which might be why it was never like this huge successful thing. But I, I, I wrote, I wrote a lot. And in writing, I found my voice. I found how to write more. I ended up joining a writer's critique group. I would take my blog post they would help me figure out how to make my blog post better. Um, I, I took these small steps. And in doing that, I started talking about prayer. And I started go- And when we ended up going through a very difficult season in our life, and God really took me through the University of the Desert, and I learned about prayer, then I wrote my first book. And I self-published, and I kept writing. You know, the Israelites, when they left Egypt— They also attended the University of the Desert, just like Moses had. They had to wander for 40 years. And when they finally reached the Jordan, it's Joshua that is taking them across, not Moses. But even at the edge of the promise's fulfillment, after all those years learning that God is faithful, they halted. The the Jordan was in flood stage. How were they going to carry? The priests were carrying the ark across first before the people went. That was not going to work. But they had to take the first step. They had to step into the Jordan. And I love scripture for just a jillion different reasons. And this scripture is one of them because it's so, it's what a beautiful picture. In Joshua 3.15, it says, When the feet of the priest carrying the ark were dipped in the edge of the water. And then this whole miracle happens. The The water gets held up upstream, the river goes down, and everybody walks across. 
And so getting started is like that. It's dipping our toes into the easiest form of whatever it is calling, God is calling us to do. And so for me, it was dipping my feet into writing publicly. And then it was putting stuff out there. And then it was submitting articles to magazines. And then it was being able to and willing to self-publish a book. And it was going to conferences and it was studying the craft of writing. And I have a whole shelf of books on the craft of writing that I've read, that I've marked in, that I've learned from. Listening to podcasts, doing all the things in the University of the Desert that I needed to do to learn to do what God had planted in my heart. But mostly, it just looks like obeying, like dipping our toes in the edge of the stream. We don't have to do it all. God is going to do in us what we cannot do ourselves. That's part of it too, is trusting Him, but we'll get into that later. For now, it's just take the first easiest step. What's the simplest thing you can do? To start doing the thing God called you to do. Don't start with building the pyramid. Start with just figuring out how to build a brick. It just looks like obeying when it makes no sense and we don't know what we're doing and trusting that if God called us, he will complete what he began in us. So sister, I know that it can just hurt sometimes to to carry a dream for so long. They're heavy. Dreams are heavy when we aren't having the, the means, the opportunity to get them done. But there is hope. There is hope in the Lord and in his his timing, which is never in a hurry. He will bring to pass what he begins. So first, make peace with that waiting. And then second, start in the simplest way you can. And for three, four, and five, listen to episode 503. Blessings and go get started doing the easiest version of whatever it is God has placed in your heart. And just rest in the in however long it takes for him to complete what he has begun in you.